You're listening to the Irish Times. Gavin Comiskey's here, everybody. Pat Nugent is off for a little while. To begin this morning, Gavin, I'd like to apologise for the way I greeted you when you came in this morning. It's not how I'd like my kids to see me behave. It's not how I'd like kids everywhere to you see me. You pointed at me, didn't you? See me behave walking into the Irish Times office. Yeah, yeah, you pointed at me, but uh, unfortunately there was no one here to pull you up and make you apologise, so you've done it off your own bat, yeah. How are we to, to get through life unless we have Nigel Owens around us telling us how to, how to behave, how to be men? Yeah, how to like, protect the values of journalism and the game and all of this Where stuff. Where does Nigel Owens get off, is yeah. what I want to know. Who, who died and made him the arbiter of... Of life. Okay, we're talking about the Simon Zebo yeah. incident that is so irrelevant, but we're still going to deal with it. <laughs> the the uh, first of all, so, is, Nigel Owens is a really good referee because he's got a big personality and he's not afraid of making decisions. That actually is part of it, isn't it? Which is huge. But his personality is so big now that he feels like he actually is the guardian angel of rugby union mm. as a sport. Just for anyone who didn't see it, Simon Zebo was running in the umpteenth um, racing try against Ulster in the weekend and Michael Lowry, not the TD, the young no. future Ireland international fullback yeah. or out half, was tracking him and kind of pushing him out so he touched down in the corner and Zebo gave him the little showboat finger point. It couldn't have been less. It was I tiny. Watch, it was I had very to watch subtle. it three or four times. Yeah, I didn't see it the first time. I didn't know whatever was going on about it. And touched down. And then he did a dance in front of all the showgirls and the crowd and the stadium went mad. He did a Zebo thing. Which is like, what do you want to do? Like, it's no big deal. And all Teddy Tomas and all the lads came in around him. There was a bit of a huddle. And big Stu McCluskey mm. didn't like this and kind of waded into the group of uh, racing players, gave Zebo a little dunt on the chest with his finger and some a couple of northern, yeah, choice yeah. northern words were, yeah, were yeah. delivered. And then Nigel Owens comes over and he was like, uh, Simon, come here for a second because it's Simon, we're best friends. Sure. And uh, Stu, he goes to Stu McCluskey, goes, okay, I got this. And you're like, oh, what is he going to do? And he starts lecturing him about how that's not how rugby's played and you should apologise for pointing your finger for a split second at another rugby player. And Zebo just went, oh, I'll just, I'll just nip this in the bud. And he goes, yeah, I'm not about that life either. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll go apologise to the kid. And he put her wrapped around him, fatherly hug, high five, the whole lot. And then afterwards, he realised that it was probably getting rolling out of all control and went and apologised to anyone he could find. <laughs> Michael Corkin on RTE. He went and talked to all the print guys. He gave, he gave Larry his jersey. He yeah, was just exactly. like, I'm just going to get out of this. Th- that side of it as well. Like, like, Larry isn't, like, he's not under 16, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't need Simon Zebo's jersey. Mm. Look, you made a good point. What would uh, Johnny Sexton say to Nigel Owens if he had tried to make him apologise? He would have told them where to go. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't, you actually can't get in trouble if you turn around to the ref and go, yeah, run and jump, mate. Yeah. I'm going to point at anyone I want. I'm playing a game here. Yeah, yeah. Like, this whole rugby has these values and all this stuff. Like, life has values, but, like, that's not part of it. Like, who cares? You're having a good time. You're a young lad. You've just, you're making a lot of money. You're playing rugby for a living. You've just scored a try. You point at someone. So what? Yeah, maybe apologise afterwards, whatever, but <laughs> it's nothing to do with the referee. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's not, yeah. We need referees in rugby doing far more important things. Mm. Which um, Nigel Owens does, but this is... Than policing... Good Lord. <laughs> policing a teensy bit of showboating. Yeah, and it's... it's <laughs> people are just going bananas about it as well. <laughs> I don't know. Such is life. Well, this was the other thing, though. Because I, I heard a little bit of, uh, you know, people are making such a big deal of it. Were people actually making a big deal of, of, of Zebo doing the finger point? 
No. No. No, it was Nigel Long. And there's people who I'm not going to na- name, like people in official sides of rugby commending Nigel Owens for yeah. doing this and all that. And you're like, what is on about? <laughs> like, mm. who cares? There's a, there's a strain of, uh, of, of uh, a slight... In, you know the way inferiority complexes sometimes express themselves as superiority complexes? D- that, they, yes. you know, this is, <laughs> we are not soccer. Yeah, fine, you're not soccer. But, you know, oh, go over a bit. I don't know. Just, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to change him now and there's lots of benefits to having Nigel Owens involved in rugby. This is also true. This is just ridiculous. Anyway, there was plenty of rugby over the weekend and uh, you are here to talk about it. Uh, we're going to have Jerry Thorny on to talk about it in a little while. Uh, we are later going to have Eamon Donoghue of the Irish Times in to tell us about how it felt. How he nearly clocked Johnny Cooper. How he clocked, nearly got, clocked Johnny Cooper. Stopped. How he was playing for the underdogs team on Friday night as uh, as the Dubs third-ish string, maybe the, dub, the Dubs who are trying to get on the, the Dubs third string. Uh, so probably them. the worst team to play against, really, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. The most, well, motivated, that's how, the most motivated Dublin football. That's how it worked out. They got a, got a shellacking on Friday night, but uh, Eamon's going to come in and talk to us all about it. Um, but first of all, we'll talk a little rugby. And Jerry is with us now. In uh, you're still in France, Jerry, yeah? Yeah, yeah, still in France. Very good. Uh, yesterday, um, all through last week, every bit of build up to this game was, you know, this is different Toulouse than than we're used to from from way way back in the day. And but whatever fight they'll put up, you know, look, Leinster will come through it. Um, a stunning way for it to end, really. Yeah, it was a stunning way for it to end. Um, Off-colour as they were, uh, Leinster had done enough to assume a, a winning position and were 27-21 um, up and pressing for their fourth try and a bonus point win. That would have left them in 10 points in this group and six clear of the pack. And we would have looked back in the game and said, well, they, they, they rolled their sleeves up and dug it out when they weren't playing particularly well. And Toulouse fired a few shots and then, you know, the superior force came through. And it all the whole the game and the and the group completely turned on um, the uh, the intercepting the breakaway try. Probably I don't know maybe possibly the try of the tournament so far. Just traffic to lose. They, they have this in their repertoire. They're capable of running from deep. They've rediscovered themselves in the last two years. Um, you know they're best when they transition from defence to attack. They played off the cuff. Um, there and and it was a wonderful try and it turned the game its head and they won. But in many respects. Leinster got what they deserved as well, and um, I think I think the video review would be pretty unpleasant for, the, for a, a group of players and a, and, a, and a setup that prides itself on its high standards. And um, it was quite a fall from grace, really, from last week. Uh, it's still a bit of a puzzle to me. I don't think that this is a great to lose team at all. I don't think it's anywhere near like a vintage to lose team. I think it's great to have them back in the tournament. The style of Denier was bouncing, absolutely bouncing. They, even people who worked there, so they haven't known an atmosphere like in ages. They're the most pro-European of all the French clubs. They're four-time winners. Um, they had something like nine of their own academy players, not 23 yesterday. The average age of the starting team was 25. They had nine players, 23 or under. It was, you know, going back to their roots and playing off the cuff rugby. But still in all, I think... Uh, I'm just puzzled why Leinster didn't quite play as well as they should have done. I think they'll they'll really regret this. They'll, I think I don't think Toulouse are going to win this tournament or anything like it. And I, you'd still like to think that Leinster are one of the prime contenders to win it. What really struck me, Jerry, was that it, it 
Leinster were just unusually sloppy. You know, the 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 little nuts and bolts that they're usually so sort of ten out of ten on or nine out of ten on a on a on a mediocre day. Just the levels just dropped a little bit too much. And they left left Toulouse in with, with a chance of, you know, pulling out a, a you know, a puncher's chance in the end. Completely nothing. Yeah. Um the lineup wasn't as good as it used to be, as it usually is, whether um they forced the pass too much. They forced you know, they they forced overflows when they weren't really on. Um they weren't patient. Um at long stretches. The kicking was loose. Um the tries conceded were soft. Um there's no doubt about it that Toulouse have a wonderful offloading game and they've got some wonderful runners like Chesson Colby and Sofan Guitoun and um you know, even back home the out half. I thought uh, Antoine Dupont was normally a scrum half, hadn't played in almost a year since being injured well since the Six Nations was injured against Ireland with a knee injury. He's normally a scrum half. In the last week he's come on in that half and he's he's Freddie Michelac reincarnated. He's a proper Toulouse player, heads up half back. Um, and they, their footwork is outstanding, and their offloading game is brilliant. But um, yeah, like you said, Leinster gave them a punch's chance when, at their best, they wouldn't have given them that chance. It's a, it's a puzzle. I'm talking to Leo Cullen after he seemed puzzled by it. it. It had something to do with the high standards they reached last week. Not that they believed their own press, but they just, you know, in playing so well, they came over, and maybe there was a slight hint of complacency in their makeup. It's certainly possible, but they weren't at their game. Not like they normally are. Gav, it's made the group a wee bit, or the pool, a wee bit more complicated than it needs to be. You know, like when we sat here sort of two weeks ago looking ahead to the to the start of the Heineken Cup, nobody pres- nobody saw Toulouse standing top of this pool after two games. And like, they've basically poxed their way, not poxed their way, but Freddie like... Freddie Burns got them there, yeah. Freddie Burns got <laughs> them there last week and an intercept try gets them there this week. Like, they... Leicester should still be okay here. You know, the back-to-back games against Bath now uh, uh, before Christmas. Uh, they should still work it out, but it, it is a wee bit more complicated than it should well, be now. Bath are still in it. That's another key yeah. thing. So, But I'd, I'd imagine they'll win both those games. I imagine they'll be very angry now. This whole comparison of a Leinster could play the could give the All Blacks a game in the last few weeks was just <laughs> well over the top. <laughs> but would actually, if you talk about uh, stopping a team that's supposed to be all-dominant, I love Jerry's point on this, is... Uh, if you like South Africa, prove you stop the All Blacks at the gain line, you stop their big runners from making any impact. It doesn't matter who they are, then because mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're just an average, they're mortal men, then they're a normal team. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to Leinster here when you stop the heavies. Like Sean O'Brien did come on and start to do a bit of rumbling, but it wasn't enough. Like Jerry, what you saw something that Wayne Barnes was doing, and you saw how they couldn't figure out their breakdown. Was this kind of the one yeah. of the things that they couldn't get going? Yeah, I, I thought I thought Barnes was very loose to break down. Um, once or twice he's been like. Um, Tactics were not rolling away, but the amount of time to lose tactics rolled around the wrong side of the ball and didn't shift. And Luke McGrath had to go in excavating for the ball. It, was, it got to be almost annoying. And Lentz's whole game is based on quick recycling. And Toulouse would have known that. All their opposition knows that. Toulouse, Lentz's performance last week and Lentz's status as European champions means they're the most um, prize scalp in the tournament. And they're also the biggest draw. So the Saturn and Salon was rocking. And Toulouse would have done their homework perhaps more than they would normally have done. Reggie Son as part of their backup team now. He's abandoned the last two years. He, he know a fair bit about Irish rugby. They would have had a good, hard, close look at Leinster. They would have been frightened. You know, they would have been scared by what they saw from Leinster against Ross last week. And they would have deduced the only chance we have here is we slow down their ruck ball. And to a large extent, Wayne Barnes let them away. Wayne Barnes has got the All Blacks Ireland game, doesn't he? 
So that should be. Um, but then again, he can be he can be hot and cold. He can be witches on day yeah. and against you. So he was just that's what you saw with him. He could turn out and referee a game completely different next week. Yeah, mm, completely nothing. Um His status is the world's best best referee. Um, rather than music. <laughs> He's better than Nigel Owens, anyway. <laughs> we dealt with Nigel Owens earlier, Gavin. Let's not let's not dig that up again. Uh, Gav, uh, we'll move on to Monster Talk. The, never, I can't remember a bonus point victory having felt so kind of hollow or or so less less garlanded than than, than this one. Like you, if all you did was look at the table, they've done what they had to do, and yet. You know, the atmosphere after it is quite down, really. This was turning into a really good game of rugby until you know what happened mm. with mm. Danny Cipriani. Um, and Gloucester <laughs> looked actually much better, their team. Mm. Even at 14 men, they looked like a much better pack than I thought they were. Um, Ackerman's doing a good job there. But the game, I'm not going to say the game was ruined because this is what's going to keep happening. You have to get, we have to get used to this. The game was altered irrevocably because of Cipriani's wasn't even a tackle. Like it was him trying to get out of the way, leaving well, his shoulder. His, in. his, his coach uh, made it very clear that he wasn't trying to. You tackle, could see you it, know? but it, I, I've done that myself when I was younger, so I know what he was doing. He was like, "I just don't want the lads, my pack, to give me loads of grease, so I'll leave the shoulder in, so it looks like I'm half doing something." Before you bounce, you soak it and get back into the mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. All the out halves do it now. Sexton and Farrell is they kind of half tackle, so they kind of slow the momentum of the person and don't get dragged into it. They're mm-hmm. they're quarterbacks. They're told to do this, and he left his shoulder, and it was sloppy, but. The game was actually ruined, or the, or the whole thing that was just changed. But the whole thing that Ruby are trying to do was ruined because Ruiz didn't put twelve trees either in the bin or off the pitch for what he did to Carberry. Gloucester went on the rampage after that, and they're just putting in shots everywhere. And Ruiz even said to Ed Slater, who did his good captain's job and put loads of heat on the ref, going, "Okay, you've done us now. You've ruined the game for us. Kind of, was in, <laughs> don't do it again. Let us do this. Let us do that. Let us kind of keep a foothold in the game." And the ref, it looked to me like the ref was intimidated because twelve trees just had to go. It was a shot, a shoulder on head of Carberry. It's the letter of law. It's the reason why Cipriani was sent off, and he didn't want to give it, make it a thirteen against fifteen game. But if you do that, if you go letter in the law, like consistently. Um, then the game will change for the better. Mm. Then the coaches, then the whole thing, because coaching is in, or tackling technique is ingrained. You learn it from a very early age. Right now, Gloucester go back to training this week. They're not going to change. Why would they change anything? They're not going to let Danny Cipriani change. They're not going to tell Billy Twelvetrees to change. Go, keep doing what you did there because we got away with it. What did you make of it, Jerry? Twelvetrees, I thought, was the worst hit. I thought mm. that was the worst shot. Um, it's, it's, I think I think they knew Dick that in the way that, that the world would be going about. They did new option um, because of concussion issues, because of you know, what legal threats might come down the road don't seem to be doing something. So many, and just some absolute genuine player welfare um, and safe player safety, they have to do this. And it's going to need a culture shift in terms of lowering the tackles. And that's going to make the game a safer game, hopefully, and a better game. So they have to do this. And, and, and the referee was right in the modern interpretations to red card Cipriani. And he should have, of course, red carded 12 as well. And... Gav's right, you know, after that, it just looked from me watching on TV over here it, that, it, that the ref lost control from that point on, and it got very messy and got very scrappy, and it was um, it was just a question of getting off the pitch without any more injuries, and unfortunately in Munster's case, they shipped three big ones, yeah. so it becomes probably the most, as you say, hollow bonus point victory Munster ever had at Thurman Park, and it just, you know, it, and particularly the anticlimactic ending, when it looked like they are going to pull clear, and then they let um, their, their, their discipline just went to Bits in the last twelve minutes, and they let in two tries against fourteen men. That's nearly. Um, that's so it would, sorry, Jerry, but that's the that's nearly the biggest 
biggest thing to come out of it though those three injuries you know that's do we Tommy, should say who they are Tommy, Tommy O'Donnell Reese Marshall and um, Tommy Don's a broken leg Reese Marshall and Dan Goggin also got serious leg injuries serious is Johan Van Grand's quote on it um and God, the way that it happened to Goggin, the very, very last play of the game, you could see it. It's just an accidental crash of legs, knee on knee, whatever it was. And it just, Goggin goes down, you go, oh, no, it can't be another one. It's just the atmosphere. Could be, one must have been incredibly subdued in the home dressing room afterwards. Yeah, it's a huge price for them to pay. Yeah, but we've learned not... Uh, just going back very quickly, not to harp on it, but the, whole, the lack of red cards or the red cards. Where we should come out now and and go, the referee, this is the game that we're all watching. It feels like a bit of a tipping point, I think. Just come out and go, the referee got got it dead right for Cipriani, we support him. But for the 12 trees thing, he got this wrong, okay? And we need to get clarity here. We need to get consistency. Yes, it could go down to 15 against 12, but until they actually do this, until they mm. like make sh- force their referees, support him. I'm not saying you don't punish him, but you go, look, it's incorrect. Mm. And then you give him another big game for round three, you know? Yeah. You stand by this guy, yeah, yeah. but you hang him out to dry yeah, initially I mean, to I mean, prove the point. Gav, it's four, there are four officials there. He needs backing from his TMO. And this is well yeah, I think the TMO yeah. left him hanging there because the TMO, yeah. they're still allowed to come in and go this, this and this. you got to go in and go, look, yeah. look at that. Look at this shoulder on headshot. Yeah. And yeah. the game, I think the game was ruined anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Like Peter, Peter O'Malley's reaction when uh, Cipriani got gone, he just turned around to Ed Slater and went, fucking hell. Like, you know? <laughs> he just turned around and he goes, like, I... I'm surprised it is happening, but yeah. <clears throat> it has to happen. We either either go with this or you don't, you know. And we, I, I interviewed um, Simon Halliday, the head of European Rugby, and I said, "Look, when it gets really serious, just before the tournament started, I said, look, when it gets really serious, and we get to semis and finals, these diktats tend to go away because the rugby takes over. We see right, it on the lines yeah. towards and all that. Are you going to do that? Are you going to stand by and make sure your refs keep going?" And they went, yeah, we are. We were 100% are. We're not going to back down from this. We under, we looked at the NFL. We see the cases of concussion against them and the problems that have happened in that game. And we don't want Ruby to be in that in that down that road. So if you're going to do that, you get behind your officials. Mm-hmm. And their officials, should, as Jerry said, the officials need to get behind their ref. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was what. That was the only. Thing, that was the main takeaway from that game and the terrible injuries. Jerry, if I, yeah, do, you, do, do you remember the? Uh the All Blacks game two years ago at uh, the Aviva Stadium. Yeah, it was the most vicious game of rugby we've ever been at. Robbie Andrews' head. I don't think he was even yellow carded. I don't think he was even um, cited or suspended afterwards. I think he was cited and got off. He, he, Sam Kane, he got cited and then got let off, Jerry. Yeah, you're right. He got let off. Yeah, in fact, he totally got the ban. And Kane got let off. Like, you know, that would be unmanageable now with this new diktat. And that's got to be better for the game. But then you're right, it just has to be applied consistently across the board. It feels like a different but, time, that game, isn't it? I know we use these phrases, you know, we need to have consistency from referees. And it's a bit of a trice phase because it's, it, referees and officials are human in any sport. And you're not going to get complete 100% consistency anymore in, in, in all side decisions in football or in any, in any sport. But as near as humanly possible to it. And particularly with something as important as this. Uh, that's my point exactly Ed Slater mm. the Gloucester captain did his job mm. He can't, the way, his communications yeah, 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 with yeah, the referee yeah, were spot yeah, on that's yeah. what you do as a captain yeah. you go I've been nice we accepted the Cipriani red card now you don't do us again yeah, yeah, and yeah. then that can't but be intimidating when you've got this big huge <laughs> flanker standing <laughs> over you You know, Jerry, uh, you um, did your Saturday in the, in the nightclub of the La Defense Arena um, <laughs> that's the only nightclub he was in now <laughs> uh, Ulster roundly outclassed, really? No, I wouldn't say roundly outclassed. No, 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 no. I thought they were true to their word. Dan McFarland says you can't go there and be passive. Um, you've got to go there and fire a few shots, and they did. And uh, 
They scored some good tries and left other tries scoring chance behind. They could easily have another bonus point last week and they could have one against Leicester last week and they'd be sitting a lot prettier in this table. Given the uh, injury ravages they have and how lightweight they are in the pack, that would have been quite an extraordinary achievement. But ultimately, um, their scrum was, I think, Rossing got something like 27 points off their scrum dominance, in effect. A couple of penalties and three tries off their scrum. Two, certainly, that were down to the dominance of their scrum. And, you know, also haven't got a hope in hell of competing at the elite level in Europe with um, such a featherweight scrum. Yes. So they're going to be somehow, it's ironic because uh, my, my client's only come in now and he's, he's got the personnel at his disposal, but he's, of course, a former front row and a scrummager himself. But, and yet he's got this team now playing brilliant, very bright and clever inventive attacking rugby. They're willing to have a go from anywhere. The selection of Michael Lowry the last two games was evidence of that. Will Addison has added some real footwork and, and, and rangy kind of um, running threats from midfield. Um, Billy Burns pulled some nice streams, a couple of lovely cross kicks in the middle of the Jacob Stockdale drive. But they were defensively vulnerable, and of course, Rathen are a joy to watch. With you know, they, they, they're going to play this brand of rugby. They decide, right, we're going to go Finn Russell, and they're going to give him complete license to play Finn Russell's game. And that means he takes the ball to the game line, he takes it, plays right on the game line, he brings all his the high powered runners like. Bakatawa and, and Leone Nakarawa and all these big rumbling runners that they have. And then, of course, they've got the, a back three like Juan Imhoff, Simon Zebo, and Teddy Toma. Like, you would pay money to watch those three. I can't, I can't imagine there's a more potent back three born to score tries and paid to score tries in the global game. And they all scored, sure enough. I just think Rafting, um, I'm not sure Rafting are going to win it, but I think they're a real threat to win it. But I thought we, Ulster, to a large degree, Died with their boots on, um, but just you haven't got a hope in hell with a scrum and a set piece game that was just generally under pressure throughout. How did it look to you, Gav? Um, yeah, look, I don't think we need to talk about Ulster too much. Their squad's too lightweight. Their front five, they don't have it yet, but what they stayed the way they started was really impressive. Um, Again, t- as far as takeaways go, have you ever celebrated like Simon Zebo did a little bit of a point <laughs> back in your heyday? <laughs> as you re- just before you were about to tap in a six footer or anything like that, or uh, it was a, bit, a little bit too much made of that? Oh, God almighty. It's ridiculous. It's extraordinary how much has been made of that. It was the most read piece I did over the weekend on our website, Simon <laughs> Zebo's apology. I mean, people, I, I, I'm, I'm been racking my brains as to why this has become such a hot topic and people are getting so worked up about it. I think it's very now, simple. Nigel Owens is a dope. It's Nigel Owens, yeah. I, I think people are tiring a little of Nigel Owens. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, well, whatever about that, I think <laughs> a lot of people are getting very worked up about what Simon Zebo did and are not of a mind to forgive him. Why? Now, of course, they're, they're idiots. Who cares what he did? They, well, <laughs> why? why is that? Who cares? I hope he does it again. It's no big deal. He just pointed at a guy. It's fine, isn't it? <laughs> You swear, we, yeah, exactly. It's just, and he apologised. Come on, let's get over it. Let's get, get on. You know, we don't, we make mistakes. Some people, some old school players, wouldn't like that at all. And I couldn't understand where they're coming from. I didn't like it when Dylan Armitage did it against Claremont in the final at the Aviva a few years back. But uh, uh, maybe I'm, I'm more forgiving because I know Simon Zebo and I know he's essentially a good bloke. And he, he was, he was mortified after it. He was really, really embarrassed with himself. And he said he wouldn't like his kids to see that, and he wouldn't like his kids to do it. I don't God, but why? Do I wouldn't. I wouldn't care if my kids saw me doing that. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> like that was. The well, str- yeah, that's your view. But either way, I don't think. I think we should just forget about it. Yeah. 
it is forgotten. It is forgotten. Not uh, this weekend. Rugby won't be forgotten because it, it, again, Jerry, an, another cracking weekend, uh, and you know, subverted uh, our expectations. I think, uh, which is what this competition does. It's back. You know, it's funny. Heineken back as title sponsors, and it's it's been quite nostalgic. You know, to lose our back, mm. and um, there's just. It's uh, it's just been really eventful and very unpredictable. And who would have thought Exeter and Scarlets would be in such trouble? Who would have thought that Edinburgh and Newcastle would be setting the pace in Pool 5? Uh, and Montpellier yeah. and Toulon be below them after two rounds. And I think above all else, you know, you look at the Irish teams last week who were quite happy with an unbeaten first weekend and then only Munster winners in the second weekend. And ultimately, if you look at it, all the Irish teams have done is they've won their home games and none of them have won away. Yeah, but Munster's result away to Exeter now probably looking as good as any of them so, so far. The patterns reassert themselves in this competition, yes. however much yes. we, we talk around it. Yeah, and I, I still think Lens are one of the favourites to do it. Um, and it's probably no harm that Claremont on in the tournament because I think Claremont are the best side in France and they're in the, cha- in the Challenge Cup. But it, the slight concern I would have is that this was a very, very winnable game for them. So it's still known at me that they should be top of that pool now, and they're not. And now comes the internet, the first of the big international breaks. And they are bulk suppliers to Ireland. They're not going to come into an away game against Toulouse with, or into those bath fixtures with a run of Pro 14 games together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have a, four, a, you know, a four-week gap now for the November test, and then reassemble and go again against Bath. Um, and it's just, I, I, I think they've just let one slip by. That's all. It's just, it's just nagging at me a little bit. They should be better placed. That's how it goes. Listen, Jerry, thanks a million. So we are joined. Sadly, or, well, I don't know. The whole thing was an experience. We were joined by Eamon Donoghue of the Irish Times staff who played midfield for the underdogs on uh, Friday night. Are you here to announce your retirement, do you? <laughs> <laughs> this, is the start. this is the start. I must say, I've, I've always, uh, you know, uh, respected the lads who turn up in the mix zone after a game that they've got a hockey in. We may as well say the, the scoreline. What was the scoreline, Eamon? I, I had lost count, now, to be honest. I think it was... Well, I mean, I left before the end, so... I think we got beaten by 29 <laughs> points um, and the only reason I, I remember that scoreline is because one of the lads from Longford had been saying that all he cared about was as long as we didn't get beaten by as if we got beaten by less than 27 we'd done better than Longford had <laughs> so, um, so we didn't we didn't get under that but we were, should have played Longford actually we were close enough to it. <laughs> that's the point it probably would have been better off um, and I think you know you it, it was uh, they were keeping it f- Reasonably tight until you went off. You know, when yeah. you you went off with what five minutes to go, it was That's it was in the tw- it was in the low twenties at that stage. It was, it was, it was twenty eight then. <laughs> what was it like to play against them though? There, this whole machine thing always gets thrown around, as in, but you played. Against so for anybody that just who, who doesn't know, the underdogs got hockeyed by Dublin's, yeah. I guess, development squad on it's, on Friday. It's their O'Byrne Cup team plus yeah. five did five county senior squads. Right. So um, um, three lads who started the Ireland final and five who? finalists. Sorry. So Mick Fitzsimons, Johnny Cooper and Owen Merchant and then McDade and Conor McHugh. So mm. those are five senior panellists and uh the rest of them was their O'Byrne Cup like so and when you look at it in perspective, I suppose not last year, the year before their O'Byrne Cup team better full Kildare team in the mm-hmm. O'Byrne Cup final but or semi final. But um, it's more so like the the way that like even there like the way that none of them ever run into a tackle. Um, it's just so 
it's so difficult playing against them when they're fully gone. Um, you can go a long time without touching the ball, like. Um, but in that game, I thought myself that in the first half we were very competitive, but like it just really showed we were a complete opposite end of that scale, and that we were just so wasteful with the ball. And it just really was highlighted. That's what everyone said to me after the game. They're like, you know, geez, he actually had, you know, 60, 40, you were 40% of the possession and, you know, he did nothing with it. Like, mm. where they're, everything they, they got, they they get scores out of. Um, they get scores and, like, it was really noticeable for for a, a team that, as you say, okay, so those five senior panellists on it, McDade and Conor McHugh, uh, I, you know, they're not yeah, really yeah. panelists. Okay, Merchant Fitzsimons and Johnny Cooper, yeah. but e- even at that, they're all playing in defence. Yeah. Uh, what really struck me about these lads, you know, it absolutely could have been the Dublin senior team there. Yeah. Because their patterns of play mm. exactly the same. Their use of possession, their utter lack of pot shots. Yeah. They yeah. do not shoot. That's the, from, yeah. for, there, there was a point. Sort of early in the second half, uh, where, and I can't, there was no match program, so I was only looking at numbers, but I wasn't sure which one of their players actually shot from, I'd say, 40 metres. You know, like, I think mm. he kind of started his run up uh, maybe on the 45. And I, I said to, to uh, the lad I was watching it with, I said, that's the longest point scored by any Dublin player this year. Yeah, yeah. And because they just, no pot shots, no, yeah. they just, they're so conditioned. Yeah. What players, uh, what Dublin players really stood out for you? Um, there's a guy corner forward, yeah. um, small Smith. lad Smith. Yeah. And like the big thing, I'd kind of, he got big write-ups in recent weeks because he gave Johnny Cooper a bit of a run around in the Dublin Club Championship and then apparently they had to take Cooper off him and put Merchant on him and he gave him a complete run around as well so like he came in with big things kind of being said about him and, and he caused havoc um, oh, he was such a cool finisher yeah like I, t- I taught myself that I suppose their number 8 the midfielder Gavin mm. he's man of the match the under 21 Ireland final he was playing for UCT against us like so we got a double whammy against him He's just such an athlete, um, you know. But it's it's a very strange one though because, like, from our side, like when you're when you're on a team that's getting really badly beaten, some lads can you know look great in terms of because they're showing massive effort and keep fighting. Um, I suppose not. Still, not many people look great, but. Um, <laughs> For for Dublin, like you know, when they are taking that, it was that easy for them. You know, it's very hard to kind of completely judge, you know, uh, who's who has what kind of credentials. But yeah, like they they such them them lads have all been lads that have been really standing out in the club championship because I've I've heard all their names and lads from Rohini and even from lads who had been playing very well with Fingalians last year. Um, so, but they were they they were kind of the big thing that that I thought was madness from us was before the game I can't remember who said it I just remember being in the dressing room and somebody coming in saying um, lads there's no um, max on the subs so subs are going to be able to run in and out Dublin have asked for it and so that's what we're going to be doing I didn't really think any of it at the time but like in hindsight it was complete craziness like 
Sure, they're already so strong and they were just bringing lads in and out, in and out. And they sent on battalions of them. Oh, like, it was constant. The, you know, in the second half with the game long over, like yeah. they were just... So that's not the game. That's not getting football though. So why wasn't that nipped like in the Aust- bud? It's like yeah. Australian Ruse or something. <laughs> Did Galvin or someone not go, no, you can't do that? That's what, I, I, it wasn't Galvin who said it. It was someone else. I'd say I, I'd say if he wouldn't have... Uh, he'd have been the first one who, if he heard that, he would have he would have caught it. But I think it was one of the production team or something had agreed to it. But it was madness. Like they were just... Like, it sometimes is a bit of a TV show as well as a game of football. Oh, completely. But like I, I, uh, as a stage in the second half where I couldn't, I didn't have a notion who I was marking because they'd switch this lad. Like they were switching numbers in and out. And you not just there, hit like, one of them though. We talked about this right. last week. We not just take some lad's head off and go. There you go. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Make my mark. Yeah, I know. Like the whole experience was amazing. It was it was hilarious in that, like every single thing that you did. You've got a great roar, like yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Your family and nice. friends and everything. My over family it. there and um, the lads from work and like and a lot of friends there and it was just I was it was nice like and you're kind of down afterwards, you know. Anytime you you, you lose, like you're going to be down, but very quickly you kind of factor in the whole experience. Yeah. There was more. There was more to it than you know. You're trying to put yourself in the shop window in terms of football and and then for me. I wanted to kind of to be able to to be able to write about it and stuff like that, and you know I enjoyed kind of the diary and that I was doing in the Irish Times, and mm. um, yeah, it was just and met a lot of a lot of really interesting people, and you know took loads from it. So it wasn't just wasn't just about the end result. Like if you'd said to me all the the good things that came out of it, if you could swap all of those for to have picked up that underdogs trophy and mm. that night like I wouldn't have like you know yeah, there was yeah. loads more to it um, you made a lot of friends and stuff like this as well yeah. as as, did, but as well as that did your football come on much yourself oh, my football's come on miles like and like that's purely from Galvin like from Paul Galvin like like even there things that you'd notice and then running down the running down the left wing at one stage and like our left half forward was kind of playing a def- really defensive role and so I was running down the left half forward position and there was there was no one to give the ball into and kind of you're turning out and they're just they're just animals like they they literally they could just they were just sniffing it and I knew the minute I turned I was going to be just surrounded mm. because they were just waiting for you to turn out and uh, and like I'd never been able to because I'm a big lad like I'd never been able to kind of have the movement to get out of there and just like from him and how your body position and, and the stuff that he's been working on to be able to just get away and get a hand pass away little technical elements of the game that you'd never even touch on at club level you'd never touch on like county teams are getting it um, maybe not as as good as a lot of them maybe not even getting as good as or as fresh as what, what he's coming with but um, he was bringing so much he brought so much to it like um, what did he say to you after see it's a funny thing like he, he was he was gone afterwards like he stuck around for a while and he was gone he wasn't at the after like he has a, a young baby just but he he was massively disappointed like and he wouldn't have like, he'd have been disgusted by that result but he was in the hotel with us in the morning. Like he turned up in the morning when we were after having our breakfast, and we were kind of in a bit of a, a meeting, going through kickouts and stuff. And in comes Paul, like no TV, no no one there, and he's just like, "How are you feeling, lads?" And going over talking to the lads individually. Like, and that was when we, I suppose, when we needed him, and he he gave us everything. He was off camera doing the sessions, ringing lads. Um, so like when it was all over, we didn't need someone to be there saying, "Aren't you great, lads?" Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so. Um, so and and it's just interesting for me to see someone like 
like he was he was disgusted by that like and it's it's hilarious the different like most of us from counties where it's acceptable that you know Dublin are just but like he he's not, he's not like, that's not acceptable like yeah. you know to get beaten like that um, you know he's obviously a realist like but um, yeah he doesn't see it as acceptable like but but he, be, he, him him there was one of was one of the highlights one of the highlights absolutely like so um but loads of highlights as you said so yeah it's it's in a way as well it's it's worth it's worth sometimes being being reminded of and especially for you for for a journalist whatever about you as a footballer it's worth being kind of reminded of or getting an insight into what what it takes like what and what that distance is and all that sort of stuff like yeah. coming away like I'd, I'd say you know more after sort of two months or three months being involved yeah. in that about the game itself and about what yeah. what goes into everything absolutely like to take forward with you well like whatever about you know where it leads to where it leads to with with yeah. your football career beyond all that well Paul Clark was over their team I think Jim may have been there at some point but like Paul Clark was their manager and um, he managed their Brown Cup team and Paul managed me in DCU and like he's like I couldn't say enough good things about Paul Clark like he's an he's, a he's an incredible man like he's he'd he'd literally have you running through walls and you like he's make you feel 10 foot 10 feet tall and he's such a good guy but I met him beforehand and uh, and that's what he was saying he was just like you know for, for for us to understand, and that's coming from someone who's been with Dublin mm. um, all year, for him to say he was like free to understand, you know, what this set, what it is to be involved and set up like, and to have all these little extra things, you know, like the smaller things, like the GPSs and the, you know, the psychologists and the nutritionists and all those things and the different types of coaching and, you know, it's 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 eye opening because it's completely different than than club obviously like, and then that they these county teams are having this for a prolonged period. Um, so half that was and huge. And what is it like? It's is, is it just a a standards thing? Is it just what's what's like well, like what's the big difference between that say and 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 very good club football? Um, well, like the the big thing is 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 the physical is the physically like you have to be able to you have to be able to run with them and, and to be able to take the tackle mm-hmm. and like t- to be fair like a lot of our lads. Found it. I suppose all of us found it hard, and to have the two, like you, there's lads you'd, you'd be able to stay with them, who would be able mm. to stay with them, and then there's other lads. That, you know, the, the the minute there was a tackle, the ball was spilled. Um, so there was a be, point. There was a point in the first half, reasonably early on in the game. I'd say maybe after ten minutes, and you took an an absolute baiting. He absolutely emptied you, and yeah. you, you got a free. Yeah, and you hopped up like you were straight up, bounced up, or like up in the feet, took the free, kicked it away. And I was watching you for a couple of seconds afterwards. <laughs> and and if it stayed with you, you hit it very well. Now, I've got yeah, to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the like. I suppose that's kind of that's the obvious side of it. And that you're when you're going to the gym and you're doing all of those extra things, and they're testing you for your all of these different physical demands. Is so like if you if you can't do that, you can't. And it's a sad thing if. If you're not physically at it, you you can't enjoy the game because you're just out on your own. You're not going to get the ball. But I suppose Paul's big thing is that, and he's he's absolutely right. His mindset is everything. Like even when you're coming into that, um, like you're you're doubting yourself so much. <laughs> like you can only imagine what what like. And I suppose they'd have more confidence. But like if you're playing in all Ireland final, like you you're doubting yourself so much, and you have to be massively confident to to go out there. But then must be confident but still do the right things you know mm. and it's to have that mindset of 
just pure and utter self-belief but still knowing exactly what you what you have to do and what you, what you need to do to, to stand out but also to do the right thing for the team it's all upstairs I think like you know that confidence can be drained quite quickly can't it as oh, well absolutely like you know I, I was looking at my, in my own county in Roscommon St Bridges got beaten by Clannagale and I've been saying to everyone before the game the Clannagale were going to beat Bridges like British don't 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 hardly even train. They only train for kind of titles. Mm. Like they're there for the beating, but everyone in Roscommon is terrified of them. Right. And like <laughs> Dublin could have put out a, an under six team, and they probably would have beaten because everyone's just terrified of them. Like yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah. they feel like it's like the immortals in in the three hundred. Like you know, out they come, and everyone just thinks this. So yeah, they were beaten in three hundred. The immortals. <laughs> they were. Yeah, and so British, like it's possible, like, yeah. and British were beaten. So like that's the thing. It's, it's, it's some Spartans out there in every sense. Some Spartans. But it's it's just a belief thing, and and that's what Paul said. It was like you know, it's it's a mindset, and and I think the big thing for us is that if if lads, if we can get county trials, or even if you come into a big club match again, the fact that we've experienced that. We're gonna have massive confidence coming into another kind of challenge like that, and like I, I took big confidence even from coming into that game from other things like say, in other things in life, like obviously, obviously other sport and things, but say interviews for for work, like mm-hmm. and um, different life experiences, like, like everything that you do, that's a big thing when you come to something which is maybe a little bit smaller or less pressure. You feel like you've well, if I dealt with that, mm-hmm. I can deal with this, um, and I think that's kind of just almost building up with it. Um, so, but for me, the, the mindset is even like I, I went out and I seen the big, huge lad running for the throne, and you know, you give him a shoulder, and like this is, it's not even budging him. And you can only imagine, like, I was trying to visualize before the game, like, if because we didn't know what the Dublin team was, if Fenton right. was there, you know, if you're going to go in and try and get stuck into him, like, them lads, they don't, they're above that, like, their minds are just. Are, and obviously, you can get into that, but no, no one has been able to so far, and like, I think we. we 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 obviously certainly weren't. Um, so what was the session play, like afterwards? Then you should maybe try and create like some kind of an underdogs team to play Dublin by getting all of the county players. From the rest of the <laughs> Not yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like if they're to do that again, they they spoke to our captain afterwards and he was like, you know, football has changed so much in the last 14 years from when Donny he was playing. Mm. Like he he played for Colin Flynn, our captain played for Longford, and he was like, he played the last time he played was in 2009. It was county senior. And he was like, we could and would go for, go out on a Friday night, and without doubt, every Sunday after the match, you'd be in coppers. Like, mm. and he was like, that was just the way it was. Like, so in two thousand and four, when they played Kerry, like the state of a team in October, as opposed Absolutely. to now, like Johnny Cooper, yeah, he turned just turned up and played the game, but like she's a machine. Like yeah. his life is is fitness. So them, like realistically, for them going forward. The, the underdogs, which I'm sure they'll do it again, because it has been it has been very successful. Like, as terms of a TV show, they'd have to look at it doing it in a different time of year because like the clashes are just insane. Like we lost some of our best players, like the club games, because of club stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. and um, and then also they should be playing a division. I'd be saying a maximum division two team, and you'd be looking at the lower end of the division two teams. The like coppers maybe. has changed a lot in the last. <laughs> years. You know, really has. Yeah. You know? All right, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not descend into the realm of that. <laughs> Listen, Eamon, thanks a million for coming That's in and chatting right. about it. Thank you to Gavin for filling in. We'll see, we'll see far too much of each other over the coming month. Uh, well, thanks to Jerry, who chatted us from France, to the multitudes behind the desk, and we will see everybody again next week. Thanks very much, folks.